The following broadcast by the Kingdom Voice, Dr. Dana Carson, is made possible through DCKM Partners. Dr. Carson teaches the power of the kingdom in its original Jewish context that will revolutionize and transform your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Check out our website, drdanacarson.org, where you can hear much more from the Kingdom Voice. This gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the world as a witness. I'm a witness. Would you go be a witness? In this gospel of the kingdom the good shall be spread across the world. Welcome to the Dynamic Kingdom Teaching Ministry of Dr. Dana Carson, affectionately known as the Kingdom Voice. The teaching ministry of Apostle Carson is touching the world through social media, radio, podcasts, internet, and television. We're so glad that you tuned in with us, and we know that you are going to be empowered and transformed by the powerful teachings of the Kingdom Voice, Dr. Dana Carson, as he opens the scriptures and teaches the Bible from its original Jewish context. We hope that after hearing the teaching ministry of Apostle Carson, the Kingdom Voice, you will pray about becoming a partner with Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries and help us preach the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Now please sit back and enjoy the teaching and preaching ministry of Dr. Dana Carson, the Kingdom Voice. DCKM, Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries. Paul states that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable, irrevocable. Now in verse 29, now that's the verse that everybody knows, but, uh, that the gifts and the callings are without repentance or the gifts and the callings are irrevocable. Now, people like that, and you probably have heard a ton of sermons and teachings on it, but what does this really mean that the gifts and the callings are irrevocable? Now, for sure, we got to know uh, this doesn't have anything to do with career and talents. Now, you've got to know that was not in the mind of the writer, uh, it's, uh, contextually. He was not thinking about the careers and the talents of people are irrevocable. It doesn't even fit nowhere in there. So, so what are the gifts and the callings that Paul states are what we would call immutable or non-changing or irrevocable or, or without the ability to change or God to change his mind about? So, first of all, I want to begin by establishing the context of this verse. One of the greatest dangers in biblical interpretation is the danger of lifting a text out of its context and then discussing it without understanding what it means first in its original context. When you don't understand the verse in context, then you are assured to uh, misinterpret the text and perform what we refer to in scholarship as an isogesis, reading into the text rather than an exegesis, reading out of the text. Now, when we understand the context uh, of a particular verse, so we're talking in, in, in particular here, the gifts of calling, the gifts and callings of God which are without repentance with uh, Romans 11 and 29. So when we understand the context, uh, 
we have a better understanding of the content or what was meant uh, by the writer when they wrote the, the, the passage. So when we examine this text, Romans 11 and 29, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable or without repentance. Uh, we discover that Paul is dealing with the issue of election. This is the reason I said this is very organic as we try to really help you with this whole issue of calling and elections uh, and uh, gifts and calling. So we discovered in our previous teachings on calling and election that election is an event that took place in the eternal realm of God wherein uh, he, through his omniscience, his all-knowingness or foreknowledge, he knew who would accept his generous offer of salvation through the redemptive work of Christ upon the cross in which Christ died a vicarious death in our place, substitutionary death. He died on behalf of sinners who would embrace and believe in him. So he died on behalf of the sinner who would embrace and believe in him. Now, while everyone had access to this salvation, uh, this salvific gift, only he that believes in him could cash in and benefit. Thus, the elect, <clears throat> the elect of God are those who embrace the death of Christ on behalf of the world before the world began. Christ died for the world before the world began. Thus, Paul explains both Jewish and Gentile election. Now, I've taught you, if you were a part of my teaching here, uh, <clears throat> um, if you were a part of my noon Bible studies, I taught you that election takes uh, place in, in three categories, so to say. Uh, the category of the group, which is Israel in the Old Testament, the church in the New Testament, which the church uh, being the elect of God, that's who he elected to uh, uh, as a covenant people, that the, those who would choose him, uh, the church, um, now which is comprised of both Jewish and Gentile believers. And then the second category was the special office of prophet, priest, king in the Old Testament, or the fivefold ministry, he himself, that's an election, to a special office, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So Paul explains in Romans chapter 11, though, that in the process of the golden chain of redemption, that was Romans 8 and uh 29, you know, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, da-da-da-da. God devised a process in which he would uh, first offer salvation to fallen humanity through a particular covenant people. So I want you to understand, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and 20, Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. Isaiah 46 and 10 says that he declared the end at the beginning. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 and 4 that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Hence, we need to understand Adam was not an accident. He was an expectation. 
uh, before Adam fell, Christ had already died in the mind of God and been resurrected, etc. He was slain before the foundation of the world. So now, salvation was always in the mind of God, and the fall of man, God was always aware of, therefore he provided salvation. So when we look at, at, at the issue of salvation, God devised a process in which he would first offer this salvation to fallen humanity. So how does God get what he did in eternity in time? So it was a process. So how does God now reconcile and bring to fruition uh, what took place in the eternal realm, in the mind of God, in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, how does he make manifest this salvation? And see, Paul is helping us here. So uh, <clears throat> what is the process in which God first offers salvation to fallen man? And uh, Paul lets us know that election helps us to understand that God helps, he he. He uh, provides salvation to us first through a particular covenant people, which was Israel. Now, Israel used to be Jacob. Man, listen, I can get so excited to hear about the word now. But Israel used to be Jacob, but her name, his name was changed to Israel. Now, as a covenant name, but Jacob, Yaakov, means uh supplanter, trickster. So God made covenant with a supplanter, with a deceiver, with a trickster, and then he changed his name. So uh, he gives him, so to say, a new birth. And it's uh, now he's referred to as uh, Israel. But now if you remember, it talks about a redeemer in our text arising out of Zion and cleansing the the sins of Jacob. Now that's important. Just put that somewhere in your mind. Uh, and uh, as we continue to unfold this text, you'll understand. So Israel was not an ethnic group, but it was a holy group. Now, it was a group that was predicated not by the ethnicity of Jacob, but by the covenant with Israel. It was a covenant people, not an ethnic group. And so uh, it was a covenant, a covenant people that were called to be the Kadesh, uh, the, the, the Kadesh Goyim, a holy nation, a set aside people that existed exclusively for God. So Israel uh, was a nation that existed solely for the purposes of God. So she was elected. God knew that uh, Israel, uh, Jacob, would embrace his covenant. And so she was elected. So the first group God said, I'm going to work with to offer salvation to mankind is going to be the Israelites, a covenant people. Even though they're Semitic people, he didn't, he didn't make the covenant based on Yaakov or Jacob, he based it on Israel, Israel, <clears throat> who was a holy nation. Then 
God then initiated his plan of salvation through his covenantal system, which was executed through Torah, the, the first five books of Moses, the instruction for living, uh, the tabernacle, uh, the outer court, the inner court, the most holy place, uh, you know, the tabernacle and the priesthood, uh, the sacrifice and the priest. So within that system of Torah, tabernacle, priesthood, sacrifice, and, and feast, sacrifices, and feast, uh, these sacred things provided for us types and shadows of things to come in Christ Jesus. They spoke to us about salvation, but it was encoded. It was a mystery. Now, this is when Paul goes away for three years to Arabia, and then he goes away another 14 years, and God is dealing with him and giving him the, giving him the gospel and unlocking his mind. This is what God was showing him. He was showing him how the, new, the, the Old Testament was the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament would become the Old Testament revealed. First that which was natural, then that which was spiritual. He was giving him insights of how those things spoke of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So while God chose Israel to begin the process of redemption, he always had the whole world in mind. God never ever intended just to save Israel, but Israel was his beginning place. So <clears throat> when we say he preferred Israel, he preferred Israel as a covenant people because she in election, decided to embrace his covenant. Now, so when we look at it then, God always had the whole world in mind for salvation. In Adam, everyone died, the whole world, everyone, every human. That's the reason uh, questions like, uh, where did Cain's wife come from, da-da-da. Uh, apparently, if there's only two human beings in the whole world, Adam and Eve, then that had to be a daughter. So that it, it, that meant that Cain's wife was his daughter. But you're trying to look at it through the logic of the 21st century, like who marries and uh, their sister. But these kinds of restrictions and parameters, civilization and morals had not evolved like that yet. Now, in Adam, all died. Now, if his wife came from someone else, that meant then there was another humanity. Now, we sound like watershed theology, who says African Americans were the beasts of the field. We were not the humans in the garden. And so you create this whole chaotic nonsense of stupidity. But the Bible teaches us that Adam, in Adam, all died. But God told Abraham that in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed because God's salvation was a universal salvation. Even though it began with Israel, it was always intended for the world. God had to begin somewhere in order to create the last Adam that would die uh, and redeem what the first Adam lost. So, 
the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that not Israel, not so loved Israel, but the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whatever, whether it's Jew or Gentile, would believe in him, they would not perish, but they would have life through the eon, through the ages. However, Paul, Paul tells us, Paul states in Romans 1, 16, 17, here's how it reads in the complete Jewish Bible. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the good news gospel, since it is God's powerful, uh, God's powerful means uh, to, uh, of salvation, bringing salvation to everyone who keeps on trusting. And then it says, to the Jew especially, but equally to the Gentile. In the New King James Version, it says, to the Jew first and then the Gentile. And then it says in verse 17, for in it the gospel is revealed how God makes people righteous in his sight and from beginning to uh, end it is through trust. And uh, as the tonic puts it, but the person who is righteous will live his life by trust. So Paul states that salvation was to the Jew first and then the Gentile. Now, God's civific plan of salvation for the world, it began with the covenant people Israel, <clears throat> but then it was designed to go to the rest of the world. John says in chapter one, he says he came to his own, his own uh, uh, rejected him. They didn't accept him. They didn't receive him. Uh, but he says, but as many that received him and believed in his name, on his name, to them, he would give the power to become the sons of God. So in John chapter one, John is telling us right now that the Jews rejected him and then the Gentiles accepted him. So Gentile uh, uh, proposition was placed based upon uh, Israel's rejection. So because they rejected him, we got an opportunity to accept him. Thus, in chapter 11, Paul is explaining that Israel rejected God, which was a part of his divine plan in order for the Gentiles to be engrafted. Listen, Israel, by the will of God, rejected God in order that you and I may be saved as Gentiles. That makes me feel all warm and juicy and fuzzy on the inside. I mean, uh, I mean that we hear about how he loves Israel and how he's married to the backslider. But when you, when you see this in context of what Paul is saying as the apostle to the Gentiles, He's saying the Jews rejected him that you and I as Gentiles may accept him, which meant that the crucifixion was not only designed for Israel, but it was designed for us. So the Jews had to reject him that he may be crucified in order for the Gentiles to accept him. So man, uh, this is powerful. So Israel rejected God, which was a part of his plan. Just like you say, well, man, that's that. 
For what? In order for the Gentiles to be engrafted. So you can't get no attitude with Israel's rejection. That was a part of the plan of God. You got to understand the plan of God. And so just think about it. God told Pharaoh, he told Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And then he hardens the heart of Pharaoh. And so I'm saying uh, they rejected God that we might accept God. We're saved because of their rejection. Now, Paul refers to Israel in Romans 11 as the first fruit, which is holy. He refers to them as being connected to the root as the first fruit. Uh, and then he says that the first fruit and the root that makes the branches. Uh, so let me, let me explain this in Romans 11. So he says the root is God, and the first fruit is Israel, which they are branches, but uh, these branches are cut off, and then wild branches are added to the olive tree that, that are rebellious by nature. That's talking about the Gentiles, which meant the Jewish people <clears throat> were rejected in order, I mean, rejected Christ in order to make room for the Gentile branches that would then become holy. Now that's in verse 16. You can read that up there. He refers to the Gentiles as being engrafted into the olive tree who were wild by nature and in contrast states that how much more then will those who were natural branches of the olive tree be grafted into their own olive tree, verse 26. In essence, he said, if God put us who were pagan, polytheistic, evil, I mean, <clears throat> disobedient on every account, no sense of moral consciousness, but if God could engraft us into the olive tree, then how much more those who fell off the tree, how much more then can he not graft them back in? If he can take us and put us in. Listen, Paul, Paul, Paul he explains that, <clears throat> I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I don't want you to be ignorant uh, or not to recognize or know this mysterion. He calls it a mystery. Uh, insider information, uh, stuff you got to get by revelation. He says, I I'm going to uncover this for you. He says, if I don't uncover this for you Gentiles, he's writing to the Roman uh, believers. He said, unless if I don't write this, you're going to become wise in your own opinion, not realizing that Israel became blind to God in order for the Gentiles to come in. So they're anti-Semitic. They hate Jews. They hate black folk and just crazy. And uh, But don't realize that they're Gentiles. And unless Israel became blind, we would not be saved. Thus God states this in the text. Israel are the enemies of the gospel for the sake of the Gentiles, which meant Paul is letting us know because he gets this revelation. 
even more so than Peter and anyone else. That's why he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He gets the doctrine for the Gentiles. He gets this revelation. And you know, at some point, he and Peter had a standout because he had to rebuke Peter on how he was treating the Gentiles. Now, so God states this, uh, <clears throat> that Israel are enemies of the gospel for the sake of the Gentiles. But concerning election, they are beloved for the sake of the patriarchs. And so he's saying, in our dispensation of the gospel, they're enemies to the good news of Christ, but for the sake of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm still tied to them. It says because of that, uh, the, patriarch, the patriarchal uh, covenant, I got something in store for them. Then comes, after he says that, the famous statement, Right after all that, then it says, <clears throat> for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Now, we take that and we say, well, our spiritual gifts, da, da, da. but now nothing in this text suggests right now we should be going that deep into spiritual gifts. But listen, it says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He's speaking of Israel's election and the gifts of salvation that reinforces the callings. So the Gentile was once disobedient to God and we obtain mercy through Israel's disobedience. And now through the mercy that you and I obtain, then Israel now will gain mercy because of the mercy we gain. God says, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to deal with them. Paul then leaves us in the following verses of the chapter with these conclusions. Man, powerful. He says that God has committed to all men disobedience that he may show mercy to all. Which meant Paul says both the Gentile and the Israelites were, of uh, the Jew, were disobedient but he's showing mercy in his salvation to all. Then he says, too, the depth and the wisdom of God is unfathomable. He says, if you can't even, you, you can't calculate it. You don't understand, verse 33. Then three, he says, who has known the mind of God? And he says, who can provide him counsel? And who has given him anything that he must pay back? So, what does God owe you something? No, God doesn't owe you anything. So what you have is the gift of God. So what he's saying here, the callings and the gifts of God, God will never change his mind about because uh, in his omniscience, he knew everything Israel would do, but still chose to elect her in our salvation, in our election. You know, you and I, we chose Jesus, but you know, oftentimes we don't make Jesus' decisions. We do things that we ought not do, but God knew we were going to do those things before we did them, and he still chose to accept us in the election. For the fourth thing he says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. And then he says, to him be the glory, the, the doxa, 
the weight, the honor. And so the gifts, the charisma, uh, the, uh, the uh, charisma uh, of God, the spiritual abilities and the callings, the, cl the classes are referring to the calling uh, of the elect and the gifts of salvation, which are without a change of mind. So it's uh, without repentance. Uh, so uh, it's, 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 it's when we say uh, irrevocable, it's kind of limited. It's, uh, it's, it's a very inadequate, a better translation would be without regret. God never regrets that he called you even in your inadequacies, in your imperfections, uh, once you chose him, then God, uh, when he extended his uh, hand of salvation to you, he then also had to uh, embrace, he had to embrace your decision and accept it in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to the kingdom teaching of Dr. Dana Carson. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, visit drdanacarson.org slash radio. If you would like to know more about the kingdom and your faith, we invite you to enroll in the Kingdom Bible University. Check this out. Studying the Bible can be challenging if you don't understand what you're reading. The Ethiopian eunuch admitted that he couldn't understand except someone teach him. As kingdom citizens, we are called to live out God's word in every moment of our lives, but we must understand the word in order to do that. The Kingdom Bible University was created to help believers learn God's word on a practical level and teach you how to live it out in your daily life. KBU desires to help you achieve the kingdom knowledge and empowerment of the Bible that helps you enhance your spiritual life to maximize your potential. Find out more information about KBU by visiting our website, www.kingdombibleuniversity.com. Understand the Bible like never before and experience the power that is within to change your life for God's glory. Learn more about KBU today. Before we end this broadcast, we would like to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now, acknowledging that I am a sinner and in need of your grace. Save me, Lord. Make me clean. All that I am, all that I have, I give to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If you said this prayer, we celebrate with you. And we invite you to join online to further your kingdom journey at therockwoi.com and click on join online. We would love to assist you through your new kingdom life and send you a free copy of Dr. Carson's book, My New Life in the Kingdom. We look forward to connecting with you. Have you ever desired to be a part of making history and accomplishing great things? Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries is making history and through DCKM Partners, we are accomplishing significant ministry opportunities for the kingdom of God. DCKM Ministries spreads the gospel of the kingdom around the world through broadcasts like this. And if you would like to be a part of Touching Lives, partner with DCKM today. 
Testimonies come in daily of how lives are transformed through the power of the word. When you partner with DCKM, you help receive breakthroughs, miracles, and the transformational word of God. Would you consider becoming a partner? Your monthly love gift and weekly prayers really can make a huge difference. No amount is too small. Visit drdanacarson.org to find out more information on how to become a partner. And we look forward to the impact you can make around the world. That concludes today's broadcast. Thank you for listening to the ministry of Dr. Dana Carson. Until next time, may the kingdom of God rule and reign in your hearts and minds. In this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the world as a witness. I'm a witness. Would you go be a witness? In this gospel of the kingdom. The preceding broadcast has been brought to you by DCKM Partners, helping people to know God, make Him known to others, and spread the kingdom message around the world. Find out more at drdanacarson.org. DCKM, Dana Carson, Kingdom Ministries.